Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I'm a social media marketer, writer, and mom to three boys, ages five, three, and two. And I'm Terilyn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 11, 9, 5, and 3. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. All right, everybody, we have a very special guest today. Her name is Diane Bowden of... Um, Minimalist Moms podcast, and we're so excited to interview her because we are aspiring minimalists, as we've talked about before in our podcast. <laughs> but we are nowhere near actual things minimalists, and so we we're super excited for ourselves <laughs> to to hear her wisdom. Um, so, Diane, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, I'm Diane Bowden, like you said, and I'm a mother of three, and I live in Columbus, Ohio, and. I would say that stay-at-home mom is probably my main job right now, though I do have the podcast and I do have a little side hustle of photography. But yeah, I am trying to do this minimalist thing. I don't always do it 100%, but I would say that we've been on this journey, my family and I, for about, I think, maybe 10 years now. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty much since my husband and I have been married, that's when it all began. So. And yeah. So for reference, how old are your kids? I have a five-year-old, a two and a half-year-old and a six-month-old. So. Oh, so fun. Yeah. So crazy, crazy times. Crazy times. <laughs> I'm sure you both can relate. Yes. So was your husband on board with them with the minimalism always or? Yeah. So it actually, I feel like he was the one that somewhat prompted it. I will paraphrase what he said, but we were in my parents' basement. I think it was not long before we were married or right after. And he looked around at all the boxes they were storing. And he said, look at all of these things that are in boxes that were once your dad's hard-earned work hours. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I had never thought about it that way, that we were, my parents were storing these things that no one played with anymore or no one was making use of anymore. And I just didn't like that. That made me feel uncomfortable that I was working at that point. And what was I working for? And so that somewhat got us on the trajectory of valuing experiences more than possessions. And again, I don't know if we had an exact conversation. We may have like had a little bit of back and forth, but it really... I think that he was always just wanting to value experiences over things. And that's just kind of how we took off into our marriage. I love that. That's very wise. I, <laughs> I think the concept of measuring things as time worked is mm-hmm. a game changer for me. Like it really, mm-hmm. the first time I Scary. heard that, I was like, oh my, this is my life that I'm paying for. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm paying in literally hours of my life. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, brilliant. I love it. All right. So every episode here we do. So for our listeners, we are going to um, interview Diane. And then after the break, um, we're going to talk a little bit about minimalism in um, your parenting. And she's going to interview us a little bit. So it's kind of going to be a fun switch up. So we're still going to start out with our face palms and our high fives. 
So, so I have a face palm this week, and that is last night we moved into a new house, which has been a long time coming. And by move in, I mean like the first phase, like we moved <laughs> in our beds and stuff. So mm-hmm. we slept in our house for the first time. And guys, I don't know what I was thinking, but I parked my car in the garage. I'm super pumped about it. We get the kids to bed. And then it's like midnight last night. And I'm like, oh no, my boys. And you guys know my boys, how I've been telling you, my three-year-old, he is like a ninja like he can tell especially during this quarantine time like if I leave he can like hear me he can hear everything they're sleeping above the garage guys like uh, directly above the garage how have I not seen this flaw in our entire like sleeping situation so I had to call Felicia and she came and picked me up so I wouldn't wake them up like it's ridiculous I'm gonna have to really rethink my entire like sleeping situation what is happening I don't even know so oh. that's a face palm, kind of a an oversight on my part. I'm not sure. In our last house, our garage was extremely loud, and every single time we opened it, our kids would wake up. Oh. <laughs> so painful. Okay, I have also a face palm, and that is, I know there's a lot of jokes going around about people not knowing what day of the week it is, but I actually really have mixed that up multiple times in the last two days of like scheduled things. Like I put them in on. Whatever day I think the 17th is, but it's not the right day. (laughs) And it has happened multiple times. And I don't know how I'm going to go back to like knowing what month, week, day it is. Mm -hmm. It's really a problem in my life right now. That's funny because this week, it was Felicia's birthday this week on Wednesday, which is awesome. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know. I literally yesterday mixed up the day. I thought it was today. Guys, it's a problem. That that happened to me yesterday as well, and it was with a scheduled interview. And I thought it was Tuesday, and yeah, I'm all confused about the dates right now too. We can just give everybody a little slack on days of the week. Yeah. All right, Diane, do you have a high five or a face palm for us? I'd say that this is a high five, but slowly. I'm going to be hitting my face. Um, (laughs) So I would say that within this quarantine period, I have stepped up my game with cooking and I've actually never been someone to enjoy cooking or even really know what I'm doing in the kitchen. And so (laughs) that said, I'm really proud of myself and I'm high-fiving myself for getting in the kitchen, cooking dinner every night and creating things that are usually quite tasty. But Mm. this week um, I had a day where I, what was it? I can't even think about what it was right now, but I burnt, oh, I was making spaghetti and I didn't brown the meat well enough. And so when we (laughs) sat down to eat our turkey spaghetti, um, the turkey was not cooked all the way through and it was pretty heinous. <laughs> so I threw that all away. I started again. And I was like, we'll just do noodles real fast with some butter and some um, cheese on it. Well, that was just really gross. I threw some broccoli <laughs> on it too, but that wasn't cooked through. So I told my husband, I'm like, sometimes you just need calories to fuel your body and then just move on. <laughs> so yep. Eat a bowl of cereal. Move yeah. on down the line. So high five. Oh, that is funny. I feel like everyone's cooking a lot more which is fun but man I and I'm 30 ish weeks pregnant I don't really know mm-hmm. and there's a lot of eating happening yeah in the quarantine time <laughs> and I it's like you know when you're bigger pregnant you can't fit a lot so I, I'm making these yummy things and I want to eat them but then I, it's too much I have a stomach ache and it's like really a spiral for me it's not working out well well Diane well done I'm I'm proud that's, I'm that's so impressive. proud <laughs> 
Okay, so we're going to start out with some questions on minimalism for you, and I am extremely excited. Yeah, we're going to be taking notes here because, (laughs) wow. All right, so the first one is um, your, I don't know what the right word to say, but Mm -hmm. your uh, mantra or your kind of idea behind starting your podcast is um, helping people be more minimal and mindful without getting rid of everything. Mm -hmm. So to me, that um, in my mind says balance a way to, you know, live happy and enjoy without swinging totally the other way. Um, but what do you, what are some things that have helped you find that balance and find that realistic place Mm -hmm. in parenting? Yeah. I think that as a mother and yeah, I'm, I'm sure you guys can relate to this, but as a mother, we are having things maybe come into our homes that we wouldn't necessarily want. Like, I think that's probably a very common thing. So I think that it's all about intentionality when you practice minimalism and motherhood. And I wouldn't say that there's probably a right or best way to practice it. It's just about intentionally decreasing. And I think that if we're practicing minimalism, it just really allows us to come back to what we've deemed as a priority. And I think so often we, um, we have things that are important to us, but we're not prioritizing. And so I would say that don't aim for minimalism that looks like what everyone else has. Like you said, you, we're not trying to paint everything white. We're not trying to only have a certain, I, I'm a believer of capsule wardrobes, but that doesn't have to, it doesn't have to look like that for you. Capsule wardrobes are basically mm-hmm. where you curate a certain amount, you typically around 30 of items of clothing, but I would just say it's about aiming to get rid of what is superfluous in your life. And so I think if we can have that mindset as we're paring down and starting to approach this new way of living, that has been really beneficial for me. Awesome. And in that, so personally, just for you, Mm -hmm. and you meant, you mentioned the capsule wardrobe, but are there other things that, um, for you is like, wow, that was a game changer Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, I'm trying to think of what I think mostly, and I will say that frugality also is not minimalism. You can be frugal and not be a minimalist and vice versa. But I would say that it really has affected our finances, just seeing where we're prioritizing spending money. So I would say the game changer is in having, I don't know, maybe more of like an enriched lifestyle, just because I feel like we're spending money on, like I said, the experiences, we're really trying to prioritize that. And so we have memberships to many places around Columbus, um, the zoo, the museums, we have this really amazing nature garden that just opened a couple of years ago. Um, There's an art museum, there's a science center. And so I just feel like cultivating those experiences with my children has been just so much fun. And I would rather have put money towards that or asked for those memberships as gifts for Christmas or birthdays, as opposed to having a bunch of toys that my kids are going to get sick of within a couple of weeks of owning them, if not sooner. So I would Mm -hmm. say that the game changer is just really making sure that we are spending money on things that matter and that aren't just decluttering our spaces and our minds. Mm. Yeah. I love that. The idea of using those experiences as, as gifts mm-hmm. and because the toy, the toy thing can get out of control really mm-hmm. quick. Oh, I love that. I think experiences are awesome. We've asked our grandparents from maybe last few years, mm-hmm. if they can, you know, we're grateful for anything, but mm-hmm. like they can do experiences and it's been a huge game changer for us. 
and you're developing relationships, which mm-hmm. is the most important thing I think we have in this life. But um, that kind of leads to the next question is, as you were talking about kids bringing in things, mm-hmm. my question that popped into my mind was, I want to know what you do when you're like, do you have a place where you're like, when you bring new things in, it has to stop here and we analyze whether it's going to stay or not, or do you just let them bring it in and then you go through things periodically? Mm-hmm. Because the question is, you say that there are, you know, you have five top clutter zones in the home. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what they are? And for me specifically, what do you do <laughs> if one of those zones is like, you know how kids come and like just dump all their stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, that may not even be one of your five, but I do want to know what you do when your kids bring in junk. What mm-hmm. do you do with the junk? How mm-hmm. do you stop it from like actually taking over your house in piles? Yeah. So this is, this is tough. And I will say, like I said, I only have littles right now. I have the five-year-old is the only one that's really bringing in junk from either outside <laughs> or just talk about experiences. My aunts took her to get things for her birthday and they took her to the target dollar area. Oh, oh <laughs> yes. no, you guys know how we try to live here. But I will say before I get into that, I would say that um, there's a study done by UCLA. I'm not maybe within the last 10 years, but it's called life at home in the 21st century. And they defined what the top five clutter zones are. So we discussed that a while back on the podcast, but they're actually your refrigerator doors, the kitchen sink, garages, walls, and then obviously the kids toys. So they obviously all of these areas being decluttered are obviously linked to high cortisol levels in females. And it's, you can feel the weight of having those spaces disorganized. So um, if you're asking how to pare down, one tip I have is to pare down maybe clear all the clutter from your fridge, for example, and try and live like that for 30 days and then see what you missed and then slowly start to bring things back in. And then I can, I can almost guarantee you that you're not going to have missed things that you thought you may have. Um, But in regards to the things that children are bringing in, I usually stop that even in my car. If Charlotte is coming home with a book bag full of things, I'll kind of go through it in my car. And again, she's only five, so she's a preschooler. But I'll go through it in my car, recycle what I need to and toss what the other things that I don't and then bring them in. Um, in regards to artwork, I know a lot of us are struggling with preschoolers creating so much art. I will typically take a picture of it and save that for the scrapbook that I make each year on Shutterfly. It's super easy and user-friendly. You can just snap a picture and upload it to the app. And then just, I have a section in there called Charlotte, the artist, and it's just a bunch of her artwork. And that way we are not holding on to a lot of this artwork that is really probably unnecessary that she's going to forget about. And for Mm -hmm. some of the sentimental people that are listening, if that doesn't sound, if that sounds too tough for you, I would say that when you are maybe working with some of the more sentimental items that you need to limit your storage. So for each of my children, I have a box and that is where their sentimental items stay. And we are going to, as they grow older, continuously go through there and just check in. Like, do we still need this stuff? Is this still valuable to you? So I, if, do you have any more specific questions? I guess, sorry, I'm like tangent. <laughs> There's so much. To no, say about... I love all of that. Okay. There's just so much to say about clutter zones and like where we're going to navigate, I guess, which road to take within this question. I, okay. I love, I have so many questions here actually, but <laughs> wow. I love, okay. I love the connection with cortisol levels. It makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Um, I just, of, of those five areas you just mentioned, um, I just have one quick question yeah. for you about the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
can you give us and our listeners one tip to help our garages <laughs> not be nightmares? Oh, that's tough. Just one tip. Um, or, or, or multiple, multiple whatever, yeah. whatever you give us, I'm happy about. Well, again, our garage is scary. It's why do we need more than one of certain tool? Uh, that's a question. Mm-hmm. Why are we keeping things? Why are we keeping our donations in there? If you're planning on donating them, get them out of the house. Why are you storing items in there? Like maybe start going through and you don't even need to take a ton of time. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe start with one area of the garage, take 20 minutes and go through the, that box or that section. And then you're done for the day. And if you feel, um, if you feel like you want to spend more time on it, that's great. Like spend another 20 minutes. But I would say that you want to, in any area that you are approaching, get these little wins under your belt and gain that momentum. And that's with any really habit that you're trying to cultivate. Obviously you want to see that consistency first, and then that's going to get you going. It's like a little snowball. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. I, I love that men, the mentality of, well, it's, it's not the mentality. It's just the, um, I guess the metaphor of like growing that snowball until it becomes this like big whirlwind that kind of takes everything else out. I don't know if you've heard that before. Mm-hmm. It's a Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So for reference, so I recently, um, I would say I'm definitely, uh, a, throw her away mm-hmm. and get her get her ridder of her mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have a problem then still buying more stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> so um how do, how can we be aware of that how can we what are your tips for focusing on you know what are we what are we buying what's really a need versus a want do you have a process that you do with your husband yeah um that helps you not buy stuff <laughs> yeah so I would say one thing when you're first starting this, because at that point when we had that little semi-discussion in our marriage, I was still wanting to buy all the things. I was definitely what they would call a shopaholic, but I had to stay out of stores when that first, when I initially began this pursuit of minimalism. And so that's like my first tip, just do not go, don't be tempted because it's very tempting to want to buy all the beautiful things that you're seeing in Madewell or Target, whatever, what have you, Nordstrom. Um, If you are shopping online, I would say my big tip for this is to wait, set a time limit on it. So for me, it's 21 days. If there's something that I see and I really want, I'm putting that in air quotes, I will Mm -hmm. wait 21 days. And then if it's something that I am still thinking about, my husband and I have a conversation and we will purchase the item, but most likely by the time the 21 days has happened, I am not necessarily thinking about it and I'm wanting something else at that point, or I'm not wanting anything at all. But I think that is interesting. If you can step back and be somewhat more mindful of, wow, I wanted that thing 21 days ago and now I want something new. I'm never satisfied. Like the, Mm -hmm. the marketers are, that's their job is to make you tempted and target you to buy whatever they're trying to sell. And I think it is very It's hard to get into that frame of mind, but it's, it's easy for me to do now because I've been doing it for so long and it's just the way that I live. So it may seem a little bit more difficult at first to like have that step back in that perspective, but it's just everything that you're buying, it's never going to satisfy because we're always going to want more and more and more. And the same thing goes with clothing. Like I think it, 
I don't buy trends anymore. So the, it, I think a few years ago, the little off the shoulder, what's it called? The, the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was really in. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. But I refrained from buying that because I don't think maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that's like a huge trend anymore. So I try to like <laughs> shop for the more classic pieces if I am going to shop. And I've kind of ridded my wardrobe, rid my wardrobe of anything that isn't easily pairable with one another or wouldn't be in style in five years it's just like basic uh, items and I know that's hard for some people that are really into fashion but I think that you can still be into fashion and have classic pieces sorry I'm Mm -hmm. handing all over the place Mm -hmm. I have so much I want to say I love that I love that. Do you, um, do you do a capsule wardrobe yourself? I know you said you love capsule wardrobes and I'm, I've listened to your podcast about them. Mm -hmm. Do you have a certain amount of items or do you just have like a space that you like the amount of space in your closet kind of feel? And you know, if you have too much by the space. Um, so I am slowly, this is funny. My co-podcaster and I, that, um, she used to host with me, we would always go back and forth about this because she was a big believer of the capsule. Like I'm limiting my, my wardrobe to 30 pieces for me. I, don't necessarily limit, but as I've gone through and pared down, if something doesn't make me feel good, attractive, whatever, what have you, um, it's gone. It's not going to stick around. I want to know that I could go into my closet and pick out anything and feel good in it. And so that's kind of where I'm headed right now. It's slowly whittling away. And I, I will say when I was pregnant, this was actually last summer, I went to New York city with my cousins and I only had at that point, maybe four dresses that fit me. None of my shorts fit me. And it was the middle of summer in New York city. So I wasn't going to wear jeans, but I took four dresses with me and it made getting ready so much easier Mm -hmm. as my cousin and my sister-in-law were trying to get ready. They were struggling and I'm like, well, this is the only (laughs) dress that I have today. So yeah. And the mind, the freedom that I felt in just throwing on that dress, it was just there is definitely something to be said about having fewer items because it just leads to, and I'm sure you guys have heard this to decision fatigue Mm -hmm. and having too many options that for me personally, I get overwhelmed and then I just don't make a decision or I spend way too much of my time, which is precious to decide what to wear. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. And I love, love, love the concept of if we're just buying a ton of things and also getting rid of a ton of things, sure. We can have, less things in our house but that's an that's a crazy amount of work if we just can just skip the bringing in the huge amounts of things Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. feel like that's a huge we're just skipping first of all just wasting a bunch of money and so much effort of bringing in tons of stuff (laughs) and then bringing out tons of stuff i love the idea of waiting i think i'm going to start setting the 21 day thing i have a amazon list that's helped me a ton i literally it's like i say purchase later this month. And anytime mm-hmm. I want to purchase it, I just put it in that instead. And I have found 95% of the stuff when I go to actually mm-hmm. buy it. I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't even remember this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but totally. I kind of like the, I actually think I want, I think I'm going to take it up and step. You've inspired me to take it up to an actual, I think I might just say a day of the month, like, mm-hmm. you know, like on the 20th, mm-hmm. that's my day. I look mm-hmm. at my Amazon thing and I buy what is still there mm-hmm. in my mind. Cause most of the stuff you're right. It's just, it's actually just feeling, feeling the emotion of the wants, not the actual thing. And want yeah. is always mm-hmm. there. I like that. Mm-hmm. Diane, I like that. You're inspiring. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll come back with some minimalist tips for parenting specifically. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Diane, and we are going to talk now about finding some minimalism within um, not just stuff, but maybe within our own minds and our own parenting. So the first thing that I wanted to ask you is, do you have tips or tricks or ways that we can be aware of when we are maybe just being busy, but not productive? Mm -hmm. So I think that... I'm I'm curious to know your guys' answer for this too, because mm-hmm. I think this is actually more of a struggle for me. I've always said that I can come into your home and I can help you declutter and pare down, but I might need your guys' help with <laughs> paring down my schedule because <laughs> I, I am such a people pleaser and I want to say yes because that I, I'm an extrovert. And so I just so enjoy filling up my schedule. And now that especially that I've had a third child, I am realizing that I can't say yes to everything anymore. And I really struggle, struggle (laughs) with the busyness aspect um, of just this type of lifestyle. I would say that the quarantine has been really helpful for me to actually take some time and get perspective about what is important and um, what productive actually looks like. Because I think that when we are I don't know. I think it's hard to actually be productive when you're so overwhelmed with everything that you have to do. I I think that if you only have a few things on your schedule, you're, you're much more productive. I think that if you're juggling too many things that you're probably, I don't know if you can get that deep focus that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you think? Well, I like that you brought up that you, the statement of but I love these things because you do, mm-hmm. it sounds like you enjoy mm-hmm. actually being involved and things like that. So for me, I don't think, I think everybody has a different level. What their schedule looks like to one person could be overwhelming and to another person could be invigorating. Mm-hmm. So I, as the more I've like studied this and specifically applied it into my own life, mm-hmm. I I always go back and this is the question because sometimes I do find myself, I love, there's so many things that I love that I do fill my time with things that I love. And that I'm saying yes to things that do fulfill me mm-hmm. and, and to things like service that are just giving maybe and fulfilling in a different way. But it's so easy, so easy to go past the point of, okay, I'm, this is, these are things that I love. These are things that are adding value either to the world or to my family or to my life. And then we cross a invisible line <laughs> where it becomes too much. Mm-hmm. And it starts to me, it starts feeling like, um, like you're just being stretched too yeah. thin. Mm-hmm. And so to me, what I have to go back to, and I, I actually have to do this regularly, but, um, when I feel that feeling, I, first of all, I like to have discussions with my family when we have our little check-ins once a week. Um, we look at our schedule and then I ask all of my kids, how are you feeling about the amount we have right now? How, mm-hmm. how is everybody mm-hmm. feeling? Because my kids are getting to the stage where they have their own things. Mm-hmm. So 
we have to kind of just have that conversation and we don't have like an in-depth conversation about it every week. I just do a check-in. How are you feeling? Are you feeling over, over busy or just we have our lives filled with things that we love? Mm-hmm. And those are two different questions. But to me, the question that I helps me, is kind of probably what you do with things that I could be a lot better about doing it with the things, <laughs> but I literally actually have an essentials list, which I've talked, we've talked about a ton, but, um, on, on our podcast. But the idea here is like, I have the things that are the most important to me. And in my family, that is connection time. We have books, which are super important to us and time out in nature with my kids. Mm -hmm. Right. So like we have those things and when we're doing those things and I actually have like a little schedule that we do every day that like we do those things and then everything else is on the table for it. It might not, it might be working for us now, but That may be something to do next year because it's where we've now crossed that mm-hmm. thing. So for me, mm-hmm. two things that help me do it. One, check in with my family. Two, what are my essentials? And anything that's not in that essentials list is on, like I might be able to chop. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like when you're buying things, I think saying yes and no to things is just like you were talking about with buying things, right? Yeah. yeah. Every time you say yes to something, it's like purchasing something. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to bring this in does Mm because if I can't say yes with a feeling of resolution I'm just going to be it's like I'm bringing in a piece of clothing that I don't really love and I'm going to end up giving the DI later if you say yes Mm -hmm. to something then it has resentment with it totally that you're not really feeling that passion for Mm -hmm. resolution and it doesn't have to be passion because I'm not I'm not necessarily saying you have to like I'm only going to say yes to this if I love 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 (laughs) it because sometimes I don't love maybe Mm -hmm. volunteering at my kid's school but I do it because it has value but I think mm-hmm. we can still do that from a place of wholeness. Like, yes, I see the value in this and I am saying yes, bring it into my life. So yeah, I actually love it because I think it totally, totally connects to bringing things into our life and saying yes to requests. Mm-hmm. Same concept. Mm-hmm. And then paring down when you're paring down things, you're going back to what you think is important. And same thing mm-hmm. with actual things that fill your time. Is this an essential thing? Then it's on, it's on the, the table for things that I might Yes. be willing to get rid of or I might keep it because I see the value in it. So, but it's, I think, I think in the world we live in busyness is for sure hard because on one side, it's a status symbol. Totally. And there's so many wonderful things to have. It's, it takes for me like a lot of discipline to say, not discipline, uh, delib- like intentionality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway. Yeah. And I think thinking about that, like, what is this thing going to take the place of, is it time with time alone with my husband or connection time with my kids or even just as simple as stillness for myself. And mm-hmm. I have some, so for me, all of those things, yes to everything Tarlin just said. And I have uh, a couple, um, when I have little, mm-hmm. little kids, because I mean, I'm, I'm in about the same age range as you Diane and I think a lot mm-hmm. of our listeners have where it's a lot of busy but not a lot of productivity <laughs> yeah and y- you feel that bubbling like I just want to do something else not sweeping again or changing a diaper again and mm-hmm. things that have helped me with that for sure every day I have what are my three priorities that if I could get these done, 
I would feel success personally. So that's separate from mm. my morning time. That's that morning time is like a personal fulfillment. You know, that's like exercising and stuff. But then separately I have, and these are usually almost always related to the podcast mm-hmm. or my other job that I have that I work from home or something I want to get done around the house. So it could look like, you know, send out this email for the podcast, um, write our next episode notes, and then, gosh, those like dusty windows in the basement that have been driving me crazy. Uh-huh. So I'm going to wipe those out. And then I know, like at the end of the day, that's almost always, I can almost always get three things done, little things mm-hmm. like that. And it's just mm-hmm. like this huge success that makes it so then I'm not just like frantically like doing things that I don't need to do, but I feel successful. So mm. that's one tip that helps me. I, I love that. Cause I think one of the pain points of motherhood is the working all day. And it feels like a, it seems like, it feels like a zero sum, like a treadmill, you know, yeah. where you're like, I did, I, I was doing stuff, but nothing, nothing big was done, mm-hmm. but I love that. And actually if you have three things, it's doable. Mm-hmm. And it actually yeah. feel amount of success at the end of the day. I really like that. Yes. So I think defining what your intent is with those. So instead of saying, I'm going to write today, I'm going to say, I'm going to write 400 words. And mm-hmm. then it's just so much more, you have this goal that you're working towards. When I say I'm going to clean my house, it's like, oh, what does that actually mean? Right. And so yeah. then I'm kind of just twiddling my thumbs, like maybe picking up here and there, but it doesn't feel like I did anything because I never defined what my original intent was. So I really like that as well. Agree. Do you have a place where you, I mean, do you plan your day out and write it down or do you do this in your mind? So I am pretty rigid about the structure of my days when we're not in quarantine. Um, I would say that I every day have a plan for the morning and what our like morning routine looks like with my children children and then I have my work time in the afternoon when they're in their rooms and then we have pretty much the exact same evening routine together what I'm struggling with and I'm curious to know what you both do I am struggling with evening routine so after the kid kiddos are in their rooms I am I have maybe three hours before I go to bed and I'm just wanting to be I guess productive during that time but it's also maybe I shouldn't take the entire three hours to be productive. That's the time where I probably need to relax and be still. And so I'm curious to know what your evenings look like for you both. Well, I, first of all, want to applaud you three hours. That's impressive. Tell me about this. Your kids, what time do your kids go to bed and what time do you go to bed and what time do you wake up? Those are important things. I just have to know. So it obviously looks different that I have a six month old. (laughs) That is, I should say that. Um, my kids go to bed. I put them in the rooms around seven o'clock. So love it. Um, we've always done that. Um, for my five-year-old, if she's not tired at seven, that's totally fine. And even my two and a half year old now, he's not going to necessarily be tired at seven. So they're more than welcome to play in their rooms, but we are, we tuck them in quote, we quote unquote, tuck them in (laughs) and then they can play, but they have to put themselves back into bed. So we do that whole bedtime routine at seven there. We're probably out of the rooms by seven 15 and then it's up to them to put themselves back in bed. And that's just kind of how we've always done it. So they've not known any differently, but I'd say for bedtime for me, it's anywhere between right now, 11 and like 1230 at night, which I I'm seeing the effects of that on my life. And again, like I said, it's so much easier for me to kind of navigate the tangible possessions of and decluttering those types of um, things 
in regards to minimalism than to really find slow in my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I wake up at around seven. So, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I would say, um, I just applaud you for thinking you want to be productive after your kids go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. Both Felicia and I, when you said that, we looked at each other like, that is an idea. I can't even wrap my mind around. So <laughs> I'm like such a morning person by two. I tell my husband Parker, like 2 PM, like my, my want to do anything at all productive, just totally like falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. 2 PM. That's so early. <laughs> that's still, it's still daytime. So my, um, with our schedule, um, we don't have, you know, our kids probably are actually asleep and not, you know, needing something around, I would say 745 or eight. And mm-hmm. then usually in the evenings, um, I just totally use that time to just veg out like you can't mm-hmm. even believe. And I, mm-hmm. we do go to bed fairly early. That's a combination of being pregnant and also waking up, mm-hmm. trying to wake up early. But that being said, um, I feel like having whatever it is, whether you're trying to be productive or not at nighttime, Mm -hmm. I do think having a routine, and this is something, especially being in a quarantine situation that has changed for us is um, having a little bit of a routine at night after our kids go to bed has been helpful. And um, we have just, you know, my husband and I, while we're spending more time together at night, we've tried to, um, you know, like some days we're still going to watch like our Netflix show we're watching, but we're like, you know, let's um, stretch or do a little yoga practice or something while we watch, or let's play mm-hmm. a play a card game together for connection. And we've also added in um, trying to read or journal before we fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we've, a goal we've always had, but it's been really hard because on normal days when you're running around and then you take your kid to the soccer thing and then you're meeting with family and you're all crashing into bed at like eight 30, those things don't happen as much. So that has been mm-hmm. one positive that has come out is if you are wanting to set up new rhythms, I think this is the perfect time to do it. And so maybe for you, that's going to look like, you know, I'm going to work, I'm going to write for one hour. Cause that could be a really good creative flow time for you with that extra mm-hmm. time you have. And it could be a really good time mm-hmm. to start it. Yeah. Yeah. I I would love to be, I would love to go back to being a morning person because prior to having children, I would get up at five. I, I would actually open, I worked at a gym for a while and I would open the gym at four and oh. uh, the gym opened at five, but I would have to get up at four and be at work by four thirty. So wow. I do love the morning, but because I'm still feeding throughout the night, I feel like it's a struggle to even get up at seven with my kids. Yep, so yeah. oh. I think long term, I would like to have that strict bedtime of no later than 10 and then wake up early and kind of refresh my day that way. Because I think that when we push ourselves to, um, especially at night, so often I find myself that I'm like reaching for more food because I am somewhat hungry, but also I'm bored or also mm-hmm. I'm tired. So mm-hmm. it just leads to so many unhealthy habits that yeah it's just it's a slippery slope this is fascinating to me to see everybody's different rhythms though because I mean even when like even when I was in college I was I was a night owl but I was not productive at night you know (laughs) like I was like let's go dancing or whatever like but I was never productive but I, I actually am loving listening to you because it sounds like 
you're kind of flexible on when you are productive that you even can be productive at night is like amazing. Um, but I actually love the question that you're bringing up here because at the stage in your life is what you're saying is morning really early mornings isn't really working. Cause I'm with you when you've been mm-hmm. feeding a baby all night, that first year, you can't even, it's a wash. Yeah. I love it though, <laughs> because really I, I, I think the key here is just that you're asking the question <clears throat> Because I think if you, you know, if you are super productive for three hours every night, I think that's awesome. As long as you are feeling like you have had enough stillness and connection in your day. Because mm-hmm. stillness and connection mm-hmm. can happen at any time of the day. So I think the only time that that I'm going to carve out time. And by connection, I mean connection with, you know, your husband, your kids, whatever. Mm-hmm. And stillness, which mm-hmm. has to, we all need solitude and stillness. Yeah in mm-hmm. our lives and that can happen at two in the afternoon or it can happen at five in the morning like for me it's five in the morning but it could be two in the afternoon and that's great yeah. too mm-hmm. I think as long as we're carving out time for solitude and stillness connection with the people that we love then really that productivity time there is no no right right time so yeah. I actually love it it sounds to me like you found something that's working for you in the stage of your life which is really cool like mm-hmm. for me now because my I'm not waking up feeding babies I love it. Like I'm mm-hmm. like out by 10 and I'm up at five and it, it really works for me right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but totally. with babies, it's just different. So I actually love it. I think it's a beautiful. Ex- and if we go back to those mm-hmm. essentials, are we, are we having connection and the amount of productivity mm-hmm. we want in our lives? And then we can find that balance. But I yeah. think sometimes we do mm-hmm. have a tendency to go, too much towards productivity, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm going to cut out the solitude. I'm going to cut out the individual connection Mm -hmm. for the productivity. And I think as long as we are just aware Mm -hmm. of that, I think it ends up working out. So Mm -hmm. I'm feeling inspired actually by your, I I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be productive at night, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think that too, like I said, I wouldn't say that it's, it's not my ideal, but I think you're right. You have to in life there, I, it's so cliche to say that there are seasons, but we are ever shifting into what we need. And it's important to, um, look, like I said, at that important versus what am I prioritizing? Mm -hmm. So I would just recommend for anyone that's like struggling to figure out what is, what, where the disconnect is, I guess I would write down what is important to you, your health, your family, your writing, your fitness, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And then look at those top things that you've been prioritizing. Cause so often there is not a direct correlation to what I've been prioritizing versus what is important Mm -hmm. to me. And so that's when I think you have to start shifting some things around and re curating your life. Yeah, totally. That's beautiful. I love the look at your, where are you spending your money and where are you spending your time? And does Mm -hmm. that actually allow align with your priorities. It's such Mm -hmm. a good exercise to do. Thank Mm -hmm. you. That's a good reminder. So our last question here is when it comes to parenting, find minimalism within your parenting. Sorry, you guys actually broke out. Oh no, you're good. I didn't hear. You're totally good. So our (laughs) last question, um, in your parenting, are there ways that you have found that you can apply minimalism there as far as um, simplifying how you're parenting? Um, yeah, I think that, like I said, going back to that experiences, if I can just be present with my children um, as opposed to maybe choosing to finish the dishes, I think that that's been really huge and just 
putting people over things. Mm -hmm. And I think that honestly, living in a home that is not so overwhelmed with clutter, it gives me more time to parent because I'm not cleanup is very quick here. Uh, I, I reset several times a day just because we have the ability to do so because we don't have a ton of toys. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just even little things like that, that don't seem like they'd make a huge difference. It actually does because I'm having more time to spend on what's important and how to parent. And I guess maybe that's more of the tangible minimalism around your home, but I guess in regards to trying to live a slower paced life or just focus on again, what's priority. Like if we're going out for a walk, I try to, remember go slow like if she my daughter if she wants to look at this flower or under this rock for a period of time like I don't have to rush her right Mm -hmm. now like this is she's my priority right now and she's what's important and she's learning and this is a learning opportunity for her so again it's just like going back to what you're like being mindful of what your goals are I guess in life yes yes I love that and I think also if we can um, with all of those things, it's like, we're boiling it down to what is important. And, um, mm-hmm. I think when it comes to parenting, if you look at it from, if you're saying from a discipline standpoint, I know, mm-hmm. and we're a podcast that we talk about and research and read all the things. And mm-hmm. there's so many things, there's so many resources and so much content that we can turn to when it comes to parenting. And a lot of times I have to, I say in my mind, like, all right, what would grandma do? Not really. I don't have a grandma that I'm actually mm-hmm. referring to, but I'm just thinking <laughs> back <laughs> when they didn't have any of this. And I'm, I'm grateful that we've gotten to a place where we can find better um, answers and make better decisions. But at the same time, if we can parent from a place of knowing that we are enough that we, we have, if we can put our mindset in a place of abundance, I have all the time I need to connect with these people. I don't have to be just going, going like roadrunner all day. Um, I think it can really shift you into a place of parenting, uh, from a place of wholeness. And then also just, I felt like when, I really wanted to talk about this with minimalism also when it comes to discipline, because there's so many ways Mm -hmm. that we can approach disciplining our kids. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to that, I think that if we can be minimalist there as well. And when I say that, I mean, Mm -hmm. don't do anything first. I mean, they're saving your kid from jumping off something really high or hitting someone else, right? We're protecting them physically. Mm -hmm. But as far as disciplining, Mm -hmm if you don't know what to do in that moment and you're like, wait, I read this book and that book and it's all overwhelming and there's too many things. If we can Mm -hmm. stop and not react, I think, Mm -hmm. and respond later when we, when we've distilled down to what's really important, it, it has saved me from so many doing so many, probably not good things when it comes to discipline from, from not reacting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my husband and I were talking about that last night. I definitely think that it is important to have consequences for bad behavior or whatever it is that your child has done. But if you, um, I'm serious, my husband and I just had this conversation (laughs) last night. We, my daughter did something naughty and we were like, oh, we're going to do this. But we're like, oh, what are we going to do? We've not set clear 
consequences for her behavior. And we just both sat there. We're like, what do we do? So I think that it's important that again, you do have a consequence, but if you, like you said, in the moment, you're not exactly sure, say, we are going to address this. Mommy is going to have something. And then again, have, have a conversation with your spouse and build up what you plan to do in the future and then start from that mm-hmm. foundation. I, I agree with you. I'm probably not articulating it the way you just did. You said it. Much oh, I, no, I totally, I think you're saying exactly what I'm saying. It's better to respond later with in a positive way than to just react. I think you can destroy your connection, which is probably yeah. first mm-hmm. in your essential list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that causes more problems too. So you're creating a problem with your bad behavior on top of this bad behavior. And then it's just cyclical and it's no one's happy. So I I agree. You can tell listening to you talk, I can tell you are so passionate about the, the material side of minimalism because the Mm -hmm. thing I'm loving about it though, is it does pull into all the things like, as you're talking about parenting, it does connect mm-hmm. if you have tons of clutter. Mm-hmm. I think I have been focusing so much on the other side of parenting from a simple, clean place mm-hmm. and neglecting oh the, <laughs> the the stuff side. Listening to you talk, I mean, even as we're talking about parenting and you pull in the material things, it makes sense to me that it's still connect. It is all connected, mm-hmm. just like the pieces of mm-hmm. our, you know, our spiritual, emotional, intellectual and physical mm-hmm. side. I don't think we can neglect one of them. And so I think the only, I think mm-hmm. you guys have covered this so well. The only thing I would say I can even add to the concept of bringing minimalism into our parenting is the idea, just like stuff, taking on other people's emotions is like taking on its emotional mm-hmm. clutter. Mm-hmm. So even our children, true empathy and connection is being able to witness them in their emotion and see it without carrying the baggage mm-hmm. of it in our own hearts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm not a clean connection anymore it's a like a codependent thing mm-hmm. where we're having this like you're unhappy therefore I have to be unhappy and now my husband has to be unhappy because we're all unhappy together. and we all felt <laughs> but I think it's a I think it's yeah. a wonderful thing it it like is a parallel to the stuff of you can feel what you feel mm-hmm. and I can feel what I feel and I can truly see you without actually carrying the baggage of it on me that kind of we've all felt it as parents that like it's almost like a panic feeling. Like I gotta, I gotta quench this feeling mm-hmm. that you're feeling because it's making me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to allow them their clean emotions and us to have our clean emotions. Mm-hmm. How this feels. And then I'm loving it. Cause if we can just take that same concept and take it to our stuff as well, mm-hmm. it's really all about being whole mm-hmm. and clean and what we're feeling and what we're on, on our stuff. I'm actually, I'm like feeling like this whole thing is totally connected. And I, I, agree. I love that. I agree. Yeah. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> All right, Diane. Happy well, you have been amazing. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah. I like to hang out on Instagram as do most of yes. us these days. And that's yeah. minimalist moms podcast. I believe it's actually just minimalist moms podcast okay. on Instagram. And then it's the minimalist moms on Facebook. And then my podcast is on Apple iTunes. It is on Spotify and I believe Stitcher. And that's just the minimalist moms podcast. So I release typically once a week. I've been doing two times a week with the quarantine. Awesome. But yeah. So great. And we wanted to ask, um, one, one question just of you, what is one habit 
you do that is a game changer that feeds your soul and helps you find the magic in your life? It's probably something similar (laughs) to you both. It is reading. I absolutely love reading. And I found it obviously a little bit more difficult to do that now that I have Mm -hmm. a baby. But I think that, as I said, if you value something such as reading, you are going to take the time to prioritize it. So, um, and I also would say that in regards to reading, whether that's a book, whether that's articles, whether whatever it is that I'm reading, I think it's really important and feeds my soul to seek out information that not only reiterates opinions that I hold, but also that are differing in mm-hmm. my opinions. And I think not only does that strengthen arguments that I may have, and I can see like where they're opposing viewpoints to strengthen my own arguments, but also it really furthers and expands my own viewpoints. And I think that that's just such a great way that we can all grow is just being more open to learning from others. And so I would just say reading just a variety of materials has been so beneficial to my growth, especially throughout my twenties. And now that I'm into my thirties. I love that. You you really can't go wrong with reading. That's for sure. (laughs) No, you can't. Awesome. Well, I am loving this conversation because I feel like with reading, I read minimalist books all the time because I'm hoping they're going to like rub off on me, which I know is not the best. There's, I need to take more action, but um, I'm loving this because to Mm -hmm. actually talk to you in person, Mm -hmm. I'm loving. And uh, we, for us, for anybody listening, obviously in our show notes, we have, you can find us at Mm findthemagic.co and our our podcast is called find the magic and felicia and i are on instagram under our names all right guys let's find the magic brown cows everybody. We have an awesome interview here for you today, but I just want to give a little disclaimer about uh, the technology. We had a couple audio glitches where it just cuts out for a little bit and um, there's really no way we can fix it by editing. So we just want to let you know that you'll still, most of it's still great, um, but we apologize for there are a couple times where it just like glitches out for just a second. So our apologies, Felicia and I are learning about uh, distant interviewing and remote interviewing. So um, just thanks so much for your awesome understanding.